Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. Hey, Todd. Dr. Wignall, how are you? I'm doing well. Good. I've got a topic for us. Great. And I'm not exactly sure how to introduce it. And I know that makes you feel good right away, probably, when I say something like that. Mm, I'm excited. The beginning of I'm intrigued. There's a concept that we deal with a lot called mind reading in psychology, mm. where people with maybe anxiety, depression, other sorts of uh, adjustment issues, maybe, they start to kind of feel like they can read people's thoughts, like they know what other people are thinking. And so there's an in- interaction, you know, and um, after the interaction, they're like, oh, they hate me. They don't like me, you know, they're thinking I'm stupid, they think I'm dumb, whatever that is. Right. And sometimes with depression and anxiety, people get very um, activated in these kinds of patterns. This is like really hyper aware and mm-hmm. hyper predictive and, and um, you've seen this before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sure. There's this. So, so we can talk a little bit about that. I'm sure it'll kind of come in today, but there's another kind of aspect to this where people start to feel very aware of how other people feel or they think they do, mm. right? It's kind of emotion reading, if you will, instead of mind reading. Mm-hmm. It's this way that people kind of are very constantly and consistently gauging what they think other people are feeling. And then often the problem with this is that they're reacting to their perceptions mm. about what people are thinking or feeling instead of the re, uh, a rational kind of reasonable response to the mm. situation. They're reacting to their own predictions. So they're their guessing own, what someone's feeling. They're totally, but they, guessing, don't but they feel any. they're right. You yeah. know, it, it, to them, it's not a guess. Right. That person was mad at me. They did say this gruffly, whatever it is. And then they're reacting to that. Mm-hmm. And it often, the, re, the reason why this is so, brutal in a way or dysfunctional in a way is because it can lead to a lot of conflict in relationships or a lot of just increased depression, anxiety, um, in their own personal lives or a lot of miscommunication mm-hmm. in their lives. Um, and I think this is interesting. I, I, I often talk to people who really are hyper, hypersensitive to what they think their partner feels, you know, um, I'll have clients say, you know, in the morning I came down and my spouse didn't say hello and I immediately knew he was pissed at me for this or that. And so I snapped at him and said, why are you being such a jerk? Why can't you let this go? And their partner says, well, what are you talking about? I was fine. I was just making coffee and no, you were mad because I saw how you put the coffee pot down and it's this very hypersensitive and, and awareness to what they think people are feeling. That's where in therapy is the therapist, your eyes get like three times bigger than normal. You're like, whoa, <laughs> let's talk about Internally, this. Internally though, right? Internally that's happening. I, I don't know. I think sometimes my eyes just do that automatically. Yeah, I, I think sometimes, yeah. It's, and it's actually a genuine response. Sometimes the clients go, oh, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, but have, you've seen this in therapy though. Oh yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, and it's, it's really interesting. And, and you see it a lot with people who are sometimes very in touch with their own emotions, maybe even hypersensitively so, you know, and they, they really feel like they're gifted in reading emotion in other, mm-hmm. in themselves and other people sometimes. The problem is a lot of the times as you delve into it, they're not as accurate as they think they are. Mm-hmm. And if they, even if they are accurate, their behavior around this thing is causing these really dysfunctional problems in their life. Um, so I thought we could take a minute maybe to talk yeah. about what's going on there and maybe how best to kind of address that 
for people sure. who might be struggling with that. Yeah. So it, it's, as you're talking, my, my first thought is the, the phrase, um, I know not just enough to be dangerous comes to mind, <laughs> which is, I think to kind of normalize this, this mind reading and emotion reading in particular, we are decent at inferring other people's states of minds and emotions. Yeah. To be social creatures, we have to kind yeah. of have that ability a little bit, right? Yeah. And, and it's, it's a really valuable thing to be able to do, right? To kind of like cue into to little like sort of subtleties and social cues and Ex- to be facial expressions or physical expressions aware yeah. emotional intelligence all that kind of stuff right sure. so i think that's important to realize is that it's uh, you know to a degree of course it's helpful to be aware of other people's emotions or even just to be kind of guessing or making predictions it, that in itself is not necessarily a bad thing definitely not and and right? and, and kind of required of us by being social creatures yeah I mean, totally. our, our facial, if you think about it, our facial expressions aren't for, my facial expressions aren't for me. They're for you, right? Right? <laughs> they, they signal you. They don't signal me. I don't, I can't see them. These eyebrows are all yours, Todd. That's right. That's right. <laughs> right now they are. Um, so, so it is, and, and of course it's, it behooves us as social creatures to understand what certain facial expressions mean and, right. and, and to be able to interpret somebody. Those things are all good. It's just that this, what I'm talking about, I think is when it goes to such an extreme, an extreme. and not only that, but your, you, you, you're smiling at me right now <laughs> may not be about your pleasure in what I'm saying. It might be you're remembering your daughter's cute picture she painted you this morning or whatever it is. So I don't, I know that you're maybe smiling. Mm-hmm. That might be true. I don't know what thought is in your head that's causing you to smile exactly <laughs> or to what degree you're really happy, right? Sometimes. So I can interpret only so much. And what, what I think I see is people really inferring a lot about what people are, are trying to communicate rather than just kind of having a healthy appreciation for and observance of those things. And maybe the, well, what do you think about this? I, I might restate that as saying the core problem isn't that they're inferring too much. It's that they're overly confident in their inferences. <clears throat> um, I disagree with you because you've just done another simplistic reduction of oh, my good. theory, Dr. Wendell, okay. but <laughs> I think you're close. That's half my theory. <laughs> I do think it's one, yeah, they're overly confident, definitely. But I think they're also hyper, hyper sensitive mm-hmm. to the signals so that they read signals that really don't exist sometimes. You know, okay. the, the, the minutia of how a person puts a mm. coffee pot down, the, the, the way in which someone closed a door or said this word with this inflection. Yeah. So I they're, mean, they're just constantly scanning. I mean, like, I almost picture these, these, these individuals as spiders on their web like where they just feel every little oh, vibration. Interesting. And yeah. some of those vibrations are just the wind, dude. <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean there's a bug caught in your web exactly, you know? So, but they seem very hyper attuned mm, to good small details that don't really mean what they think they mm-hmm. mean. But, th- and, and God bless them because can you imagine if this is your radar system? And you're feeling all of that constant and reacting to and interpreting all those things. Mm-hmm. It's a brutal headspace to be in, I think. And and so it's a very anxious sometimes or depressing headspace to be in, I think. Yeah. Okay. Does I, that make sense? So I buy it. Not only are the overconfidence, but the 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 hyper, hyper, hyper awareness and sensitivity to minutia. 
Yep. I guess. No, I, I buy it. That's a good. That's a good explanation. So you agreed with me rounding out your simplistic. I'll, I'll expand reductionistic my, my theory. <laughs> yeah. So you you can you can take if you're constantly making inferences and guesses and theories about what other people are feeling. Just in itself, that's just going to be exhausting oh, and kind of stressful. God, yeah. And yeah. then on top of that, if you're not even aware that. You're, these are really just guesses. If, if you're so overconfident that you just assume it's the truth, that also is just going to really compound the problem there. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Whereas if you look at people who don't have this issue, they, you know, they, they kind of check in with how other people are feeling um, from time to time, especially in certain situations. And they, you know, they make some guesses. Um, and if they say, hey, you know, are you okay? Like you seem kind of upset. And the other person says, oh, no, I'm fine. Then they go, oh, okay. <laughs> like yeah, I guess my yeah. I guess my guess was wrong. Yep, no right? big deal. And they're okay with that. Yeah. Oh, then that would be the other one. A lot of these, a lot of times, these individuals don't believe other people's feedback. Feedback. Mm. Are you mad? No. Mm. I think you're <laughs> mad because you know it gets into that kind of, um, which becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. Right? Oh my god! If you're right, insisting right. Yeah, on someone else's emotional state, there's nothing worse than somebody <laughs> else insisting you're upset. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing pisses you off more than someone else telling you you're pissed off. Yep. Um, yeah, w- which is an interesting thing. You you mentioned a couple. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm sure I'll condense these points down. But you know, one of the first things I talk to clients about in in this area is is kind of do nothing. You know, I mean, you mentioned kind of clarifying and asking questions. Mm-hmm. Originally, I just kind of have clients kind of appreciate a law that says I allow other people to communicate what they think and feel to me. Mm. You know, I don't have to go after it. It doesn't, it's not my mystery to solve. Hmm. You know, if somebody wants me to know what they're thinking and feeling, they'll, they'll let me know to some degree because that's a healthy kind of posture to have. But it feels so good to solve mysteries, Todd. Oh my God. Well, <laughs> but sometimes there's no mystery to solve. Uh, and that I think is the problem. Well, and that, isn't that the thing about emotions, right? Emotions are like a, they're just a blank canvas for creating <laughs> all sorts of fascinating, interesting stories. Right. Story right? making. Yeah. They're so intriguing and you yeah. can go so many different directions with them. Yeah. It's really hard to just say like, nope, sometimes a cloud's just a cloud, right? Yeah. It's not an airplane, yeah. no matter how much you think it looks like one. Well, and this seems to be a breeding ground for a, a, a technique we call projection, right? Or, or, or a process called projection where someone someone is projecting their internal state of emotion or their thoughts onto somebody else. Right. And I see this with couples where they're pressed for time and they're telling me my, my partner was just in such a rush and was just all over the place. And, and so I yelled at him to quit rushing me. And he was like, what do you, you know, and you just see this like, Oh my God, there's a lot of that going on as well. So, Mm -hmm. so projection, the strategy being I'm feeling rushed or I'm feeling angry. And in order to kind of distance myself from that and not have to kind of face up to it i'm actually gonna i'm gonna say you're angry yeah yeah or 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 maybe i don't recognize my own sense of urgency here Mm. and and what i'm what i'm doing is blaming you for it instead of really realizing oh it's me who's Mm. kind of in this really planet panic or or this rush or or it might be me that's concerned that you might be in a rush or you might be and so i'm so attuned to that that the first time you turn and walk away quicker than I think you should, I'm like, oh my God, he's in a rush. So this is an interesting little development here. What the implication is, you can be so consumed by trying to infer other people's emotional states that it actually decreases your ability to be 
emotionally aware yourself and present to what's really going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, and then inevitably if you do ask the person, are you in a rush? And they say, no, there's like this suspicion around it. Well, and and then we're locked in an endless battle of perception. Mm. So. so where where does this come from? People who find themselves in this kind of headspace or with these kind of mental social habits, like what in your experience, like where does it? How do people develop this? Mm. Man, I, I and and then I'm going to break with maybe a lot of CBT people here, but I, I think it's in kind of an attachment issue. I think I think people. I've seen a lot of children who were raised in angry households have this ability, you know, or this problem where they're you know, to really kind of save themselves from dad when he came home and he, you know, maybe had a few drinks. They get very, very good at gauging dad when he walks through Mm -hmm. the door and saying like, is that certain tone in his voice? Is that certain walk present? And if so, I'm, it behooves me to get the heck out of the way. And so they get very attuned to kind of reading people, but they're not great at reading everybody, you know, and they're not perfect at reading everybody but they develop this kind of hypersensitivity to reading people and, and this habit of doing it, I think. Mm. I would love to disagree with you, but I actually agree with you 100%. Th- it's, this it's, is... it's hard when I'm always right. You know, it's really <laughs> tough. But but maybe you'll find a time and we'll go from there. But go ahead. I just think that's almost 100% true. When I think about my clients I've worked with who have a, a serious problem with this, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that is almost always present in one form or another in their in their early history. Yeah, early history, there's got to be some, it, not got to be, but there seems to be a very, there's a developmental history there where for some reason it paid off for them. Yeah. You know, either, either, either out of safety or to gain an advantage or whatever it was, but there's usually a condition there where there's a need to be aware mm-hmm. of maybe even one or several people's emotional state, yeah. either to protect yourself or to gain some advantage. Yeah. And that's, a, I think that's in some ways a very validating thing to, to help people realize because it, it shows them like this habit you developed that has, is now wreaking so much havoc in your life, it started for a really good reason probably, right? And the, yeah. the, the only issue is it's, you just haven't updated it, right? It was useful in one context, but it's really not so useful anymore. And it's actually causing you a lot of problems. So let's, let's kind of update that a little bit. The other thing I tell them is you have a beautiful skill set here, actually. We just want to make sure you're using it in the right way, right? Because you may be picking up on someone's something, but the way you're going about relieving your own stress about that may be problematic or the assumptions you're making may be problematic, right? I might be able to tell that um, you're frustrated today. I don't know why you're frustrated though, mm-hmm. right? I mean, to, 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 to use this skill that you've developed or the sense that you have in a way that allows other people to be who they are and allows situations to unfold um, is, a, is a much better thing than all of a sudden trying to constrain a situation because you picked up on something that you need to get to the bottom of. This um, is one of the hardest things I had to learn early in my marriage, I feel like, is that I... I would spend all day in therapy talking about feelings and kind of trying to like assess and help other people understand how they're feeling and Uh what's going on and um, inferring mind states and all that kind of looking for patterns, all that kind of stuff you do as a therapist. And then I'd go home and if I saw like half a wrinkle going in the wrong direction in my wife's face, I'd be like, what's wrong? What's going on? You want to talk about it? What's happening? Tell me about it. Because I'm I'm like stuck in therapist mode, right? Yeah. And a lot of the time I was completely off. I was not as good as I thought I was at, yeah. <laughs> at inferring emotion or, or mental states. But sometimes I was right and I, I would figure that out later after the fact. 
But even if I was right, it doesn't mean it's a helpful thing to get right in there and say, what's wrong? What's going on? Are you angry? You look angry. You look upset. You look Mm -hmm. stressed out. Mm -hmm. That was not like when I finally get home after a long day of work and my wife's been, you know, with the kids all day long and she is stressed out and kind of frustrated talking about how frustrated she is right as soon as I walk through the door is not the first thing she wants to do. Yeah. She wants to like hand off the kids to me so she can go for a walk or something. Uh uh But if I kind of pin her to the couch and say, we got to process this. Like, let's talk about (laughs) it, baby. Come on. Um, (laughs) So just because it, even if it's true, it doesn't mean it's helpful. Right. I think that's an important distinction. That's very true. Right. I mean, learning what to address and what not to is a really good skill in life. And, and to all the people in my life, I'm just going to go ahead and apologize right now because I have not learned to constrain my need to <laughs> decipher and discuss every facial expression. And I'm just going to apologize now and work on that. But um, yeah, that maybe is a curse of being a shrink. You're just always kind of aware of that stuff. Well, you just, just like we're kind of recommending other people, you just have to see it as it, it's, it's a tool, right? And it's about learning how to use it appropriately. Exactly. I, think, I think that's the way to look at it. It's not, it's not bad. It's just you have to be aware of it and conscientious and, and to use it yeah, effectively. effectively. Yeah, within, with, and, and so there's no problem about being hyper-aware. You probably always will be if you have this thing. It's then being able to gauge that hyper-awareness, act around that hyper-awareness that might be more useful. And that's, that's what I tell a lot of clients. You may always kind of have this thing, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. It, it, it was created to kind of save you in some situations. But now we want to adapt it for other situations in your life that aren't your childhood yep. that are healthy and, and adapt more healthy responses because you find yourself in more healthy situations now. So I have a really cool success story about this dilemma. Please tell me. With a, a client. This was way back in the day, right? Actually, it was in, when I was in grad school. Um, and she, she came up with this on her own, basically. But it, she was having this problem. Um, and and the, the thing that really helped her get over it is... A, what you just mentioned, being kind of validating with yourself that it's not a bad thing. It's yeah. just we have to learn how to use it more effectively. And what what she found that really helped was she, when she was a kid, and I think in college maybe she studied like creative writing or something and wanted to be a writer, but then gave up on that and was like maybe an accountant for, for a while. Like that was kind of her career. But she ended up getting back into writing and started using this skill of she would play this little game where she'd like go to a coffee shop and she'd she'd do it on purpose she'd try to like imagine what is this person feeling like what are they thinking what are they you know right and then she'd use that as material for her stories like oh, her short stories yeah yeah so i i just thought that was such a cool I can like indulge that productive I use yeah. of this thing oh, and cool. also validating it's not like this bad thing i have to get rid of yeah i just need to you know turn it toward the right ends yeah right? And so what, what felt like a major liability ended up being a real source of like strength and creativity for her uh-huh. once she learned how to kind of channel it. Yeah. And, th- and then consequently, it actually made it easier to not do it in other situations where it wasn't helpful because there was like an outlet for it somewhere else in her life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I just I like thought that. that was such a cool story. Yeah, I like that. I, I, usually, I, I usually tell clients, um, one, get used to just tolerating that feeling that someone might be feeling something and, mm. and just not communicating about it. So hard though. It is. It is. And then if you really feel like it's affecting you and you need to talk about it, be very inquisitive about it. Are you upset? Mm. You know, and, and then step three would be believe what they tell you. Mm. Um, and then lastly make de- behavioral decisions around how that's going. But 
um, to really kind of try to stay out of the mind reading, emotion reading behaviors, if you can, yeah. unless they're healthy, unless you've got a situation like your client where it's fodder for her writing. Right. Yeah. Right. Or, um, and man, it's such a beautiful thing to be, to care about what other people think. I mean, it, there again, it's another value that you've discovered. Like I really do care about how people are feeling. Right. Um, you know, sometimes I, I also run into clients who, who struggle with this, who also v- feel very responsible for how people feel mm. that it's their job to, to ameliorate or, or reduce any sort of unpleasant emotion in other people. You know, if my spouse is in a hurry and is frustrated, mm. that has to be gone in order for me to be okay. And and so oftentimes we get in discussions around what they are or how they think about this. And, and once they've discovered someone's upset, what's the next step for them? And often it's to reduce that for that person, right. you know, or, or to talk them out of it in some way. And that can also be pretty destructive. So. I, I talk a lot about clients about how they use this information once they, this supposed information, their perception, once they have it. And often there's, there's a feeling of responsibility about, I have to mitigate this or ameliorate or reduce it for somebody else or it, or it can't be present and I can't live with it. Yeah. That's a, I think that's a really important point. I, when that issue comes up, the little like mantra or saying that always comes up to me and I don't know where I heard this, um, but it's that you are responsible to people, not for them. And what this gets at is you are responsible for your actions towards other people. Right. Right. But you're not responsible for the outcomes of their behavior or their emotions or their thoughts or whatever. Right. Right. So that little saying, like you're responsible to people, but not for them. it, It focuses your attention on what you're, what you actually have control over. Right. You know, which is your thoughts, your behaviors. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and helps you realize I, I, I can do what I can, but I, I can't be responsible for what ends up happening. That is not completely yeah. under my control. Well, and, and again, um, it, it illustrates the importance of maybe how this was learned because if you are one of those individuals who learned this as a, as a child in an angry household, when you want to do everything you could in order to avoid a, a screaming match or a fight or a, an abusive situation. Mm-hmm. So you did a lot to ameliorate the, the emotions of other people, right? I learned to keep my room real clean. I learned to keep my grades good. I stay out of the way. And all those behaviors are you trying to avoid that conflict and that battle, right? And then when you later find yourself in a healthy relationship so that when your partner's mad, he's just mad and he's not abusive. He's not screaming. He's not yelling you still feel that pull to make to to do everything you can to reduce that for that person you know and and so maybe it's not your grades that are perfect your room that's clean but it's let's talk about this and get this to reduce and and you have to tell me that everything's okay and Mm -hmm. and and we're okay and aren't we okay and 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 so to, to realize that oh it's okay for sometimes for other people to feel negatively even even feel negatively about me i don't have to do anything about that you know and if they want to talk about or approach me we can do that but I don't have to go on the on the trail of breadcrumbs or clues that leads me to what's going on for that person and, and solving it for them or me. Um, so to stay out of that as much as you can or to use it more effectively. Yeah. Hey everyone, Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks.